Hello, and welcome to episode 113 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight, our panelists include joining us once again from all the way across the other side of the world in the United Kingdom, Dave Hoyland. I'm back, baby. <laughs> Good to hear. And, of course, your favourite... I won't say his... Uh, I won't mention his lack of punctuality again this week, so we'll give him a nice intro. Uh, everybody's favourite, the most lovable Blyroid, Wilfred E. Horrig. Whoa, I sure am here. I hope everyone prepared for this occasion. <laughs> and I'm your host, Jesse Marshall. And tonight, we're going to be continuing on from our Flashpoint cycle wrap-up last week. Again, we haven't got many new cars to talk about. We'll, we'll hold off on Terminal Directive for a little while, and we'll finish wrapping up what has been quite a ride this year. So we had the, uh, the corpse side discussion last week. And this week, we're going to finish up by discussing the runner cards. Conversely to Wayland, I think Anarch is flush with playable and or very powerful cards. Dave, which one of these did you choose? So there was a very big selection here uh, for me. Um, but the one I'm going to pick is Omar. So um, I've been really, really impressed with Omar as an ID. Now, unfortunately, I think it's probably mo more of a, a rebirth option than anything else, but it is a very strong ability. Um, it kind of reminds me of, uh, for obvious reasons, of uh, Sneak Door Beta, um, in the fact that you can pressure um, all of the centrals um, and index where they're doing kind of big medium digs um, or you know they're doing ice destruction and they just want to thin out the um where the ice is placed um omar really does add kind of a huge threat to the core um more so than i ever thought he would so omar's probably kind of the the key card for me uh in uh, this cycle great i certainly agree with you there that was definitely my top three Wilfie, what was your top Anarch card for the cycle? Oh my god, it's honestly too hard to choose. Like, looking at it now, Anarchs have more... Like, Anarchs have not as many cards that I would be unhappy to play than Wayland has cards that I would be happy to play. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, <laughs> but does. yeah, like, the, it's pretty ridiculous. But I would say that Paperclip is my standout mm -hmm. for a couple reasons. One is that it gives Anarch this self-recursion ability, which, as I've talked about many times before, is very powerful and probably shouldn't be an Anarch ability, but is, f for some reason. And it's, yeah, just, like, the power of it can't be understated, I think. And the fact that Paperclip has it a bit more a bit more than the other two um, self-recurring breakers, Paperclip is basically not costed like it has the ability. It's which is staggering in itself. So I think that Paperclip is probably the Anarch card which has had the biggest impact over the past, over the Flashpoint cycle as a whole. Um, and we've seen it show up in every faction, basically, and really every barrier from now on has to be tested against Paperclip. For me, my top card was um, 
rumor mill not because i like the card particularly but i think it has had a really massive effect on the metagame just by its existence as a card we know that it's not going to be in every deck that we face when we're designing a corp deck but it really does blunt the power and your expected um, rate of return, I guess, from something like putting Caprice or Ash or Sandberg in your deck. And having the, I guess, side effect of blanking Jackson Howards and allowing you to steal some points or uh, forcing at least forcing court players to use their Jackson Howards more proactively, use their remove from game ability more proactively, has put Rumor Mill in a really, really powerful place. Now, there are a lot of discussions and debates about whether rumor mill is too much of a blunt instrument whether it should force you to choose a non like name a non-region asset when you play it whether it should not just completely blank them some other way to try and lessen their power and, and that is fair it is very hard for the corp that is relying on unique non-region assets or upgrades um to actually interact with Rumor Mill because the runner can play it and make a run on their turn, the current drawback is actually really not that much of a drawback in the in the most important situations where you really need Rumor Mill, uh, considering the corp actually can't score agendas on the on the runner's turn. So, yes, Rumor Mill probably is pushed a little bit hard, but again, we don't see it in every deck. It's too influenced. It's quite hard for runner decks other than Anarchs to put in their deck. Um, and to import, considering all the other important things they need to be spending influence on. Another one which costs two influence in Criminal, which we'll probably be talking about in a moment. So it's not too ubiquitous. It does have quite an oppressive effect on Corp deck building, which I don't necessarily like, but has been very, very notable in terms of what Corp decks we're actually seeing played at the moment. Um, the next faction, uh, as I foreshadowed a moment ago, is the Criminal faction. And Dave, do you have a, a top card in Criminal that you'd like to discuss? Uh, I'm going to take a bit of a risk on my card, because there is, unsurprisingly, an obvious one here. But um, I, I think one of the you know, most powerful cards in this cycle is probably um, Aaron, Aaron, uh, Maron, Aaron? I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, but Aaron Maron, I think. Cool. Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, keep going. <laughs> so, so the reason I think this is such a strong card is not because of, um, because CTM and um, breaking news are um, very strong um, at the moment, though that is obviously a contributing factor. So the reason I like this card is because it is good in lots of different circumstances. So if you're playing against uh, decks which are trying to tag you, then you've got kind of instant speed tag removal. Brilliant. Um, but it is a card for criminal which gives you draw. Um, if you see this card early, you are going to score agendas. They are probably going to uh, score agendas. Um, so if you think about it, that every time that happens, you get to draw two cards, well, that's a really strong effect. If you then also combine that with things like Account Siphon or John Masanori, where you just end up getting tagged, um, you are saving kind of clicks and credits for um, being able to do that at instant speed. So 
all the cards I uh, think are really strong in Criminal at the moment, so obviously Siphon's very strong, but John Massonori at the moment is definitely very strong, even though not being a criminal card. Um, Aaron Moron um, combos with those effects um, and is very strong in the current metagame, so yeah, probably uh, a card to play for, I'm almost 100% sure. Wouldn't disagree with you there, Dave. That was my number two. Uh, Wilfie, what was your number one? Um, so, wait, have you set a card, Jesse? I haven't, no. Oh, okay. Do you want to talk about Tamajin? Sure, okay. Uh, okay, sure. Uh, yeah, you go now. Yeah, Something you, else. Yeah. Okay, sure, sure. No, I just, you know, someone has to talk about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to mention on the lamb, I think, that this card is very interesting in that it's one of the first cards that we've seen which attaches to another card. Is it the first card that does that? It's it's a very weird ability. Uh, no, Oversight AI and other cards do that. Well, on, I mean, on the runner, a runner card. Um, yeah. Maybe. Possibly, yeah. Anyway, the fact that it sort of requires a resource to be played in the way that it does and also but also sort of protects your resource in removing tags i think makes it very interesting in that way and it is a powerful ability to like it's maybe a bit overshadowed by the card that dave talked about but i still think that it's a very interesting design space for criminal to go into and it's definitely costed in the right way to be playable do you, do you think it is a bit of a pointless card, though? Um, because because Aaron just seems like an upgrade to it. Um, I thought On the Land was a, an okay card, but just doesn't seem doesn't seem anywhere near as good, um, which I find very strange coming out in kind of back to back packs. It's much more linear, certainly, than Aaron. Like the fact that Aaron also gives you card draw. And on the lamp only really, I mean, I guess it prevents damage as well. So it does have that secondary ability, but the main reason that you put it in your deck is to avoid three tags. I don't know. Yeah, it is a bit strange, but, you know. In a similar... Kind of everything. In a similar way to Sports Hopper, kind of being um, kind of a, a bit like Plascrete, but more versatile, because if you're not playing against a kill deck, you can use it for card draw. I mean, you know... Aaron can draw you or cards. Or as Link. Yeah. Yeah. But Aaron can um, can draw you cards when you're under threat of death, even if they, if they somehow manage to attack you. So, I don't know. They just, it just seemed really strange that they came out in back-to-back packs and one seems significantly higher power level. Yes, especially since Aaron mm-hmm. does cost less credits to play. It's true. But I guess it's worth mentioning, and this is something that we've also talked about quite a lot, which is cards that do multiple things, that give the player choice so that you don't just include it in your deck to deal with one specific type of threat. You know, if you're playing with Aaron, like you said, Dave, against a deck that's trying to tag you, then it's useful. But if you're also just playing against an HB deck that's not trying to tag you at all, it's just trying to score through remote servers, it gives you a tempo boost from being able to draw cards and it's still worth the cost of installing. And I think that's the sort of card that I would like to see more of. Things that are you know, useful at dealing with a specific threat, but also worth installing and useful generally as well. I was kind of surprised when we, we saw this card because um, I think 
one of the times that uh, you've interviewed Damon, he, he's specifically said that he he doesn't like cards which do multiple things. So, mm. um, I was pleasantly uh, surprised. Yes. So, I I wonder if uh, you know he, when he spoke about that, he was talking about something slightly different to kind of um, what you meant, but. It's hard to tell, really, but um, but yeah, I think this is really good, a really good card. Yeah, the card that I chose to talk about is the one that uh, we foreshadowed earlier, and one that also people will be very familiar with, and that's Temujin Contract. It is undoubtedly the most powerful runner economy card that has come out in a long time, possibly the best criminal economy card since account siphon and possibly the best runner economy card since then as well. I'm not sure, but um, the pressure that it puts on corpse early, it's very similar to hard hitting news in that it dictates from the first turn, how your opponent has to play the game if they want to interact with your game plan. And as criminals game plan has developed and fleshed out over this cycle with things like Aaron Moron, Temujin will only continue getting better and has only continued getting better. It is splashable in other factions, but I'll talk about it in Criminal first. And the, a lot of this translates to other factions very well. And that is if the Corp allows you to have a Temujin early on turn one, two, or three, and puts you so far ahead in the economy race that they're essentially saying, I think I can still beat you, even if you're able to get a significant part of your rig out off the back of one card. And there's no Corp card other than potentially oversighting oversight oversight AIing a curtain wall that will allow the corp to develop as much of their rig off the back of one card as Temujin contract does for runners. Couple that with the fact that it is actually quite difficult for corps to cover all three central servers and or not be playing remotes in the first couple of turns. And you've got a card that's really hard for um, corps to interact with and to prevent and is of a really high power level and allows you to develop your game plan both consistently and quickly. So yeah, Temujin to me is one of the best Netrunner cards to come out for a long time. Possibly too good, possibly too easy to splash, but it's going to require Corpse to think very long and hard about how best not only to try and prevent runners from getting that early boost, but also to have a flexible and deep enough game plan that they actually have something else to do if the runner gets ahead on them ahead of them on economy and is able to stay ahead. And that was something that we talked about in the lead up to Worlds in terms of why we played Sync over CTM was to have that backup option of 24-7 where you can kill them even if they're ahead of you on money just because with Temujin it was so hard to stop runners from getting to that point. Did anyone else want to chip in on Temujin? I, the only thing I was going to say was I think it's a very good criminal card um, in the sense of it, it fits in with their um, economy based on runs um, but not requiring kind of like an open remote server which things like security testing and, and bank job um, have required previously so I like the fact that it can be used with any sort of run um, but it does seem a bit cheap influence-wise, um, and, and the fact that it has appeared in pretty much every other deck ever, every faction, you know, regardless of what the deck is doing, 
Um, it's such a good economy card. It, it's kind of like one of the first things you think about splashing for. So I think it's probably a, a bit too cheap on the influence, um, just because it's being universally played, and that means that's not quite right. Yep. We might move yeah, on to... I, oh, yep. Sorry, Wolfie. No, that's all. I agree. Uh, the next faction, and in fact the last faction, is the Shaper faction. Our green friends on the runner side. Wilfie, what is your favorite Shaper card? I'll, I'll be honest here. I found this a little difficult. I think a lot of the Shaper cards in this cycle really missed the mark in terms of power level. I was extraordinarily disappointed with the cycle of Stealth Breakers. I think they are all worse than the existing ones in Shaper. Uh, but what are your thoughts? Can I, um, the, oh, Dave, yeah. Uh, oh, the yeah, only thing I was going to say was, just because it touches on that on that subject matter, was do you, do you think Houdini is considerably worse than Refractor um, in a world where a lot of the code gates that are being played uh, currently uh, are usually higher than Strength 5? So what we see is things like um, DNA Tracker, um, Archangel. So, you know, even, I guess, you know, in some ways, a popular deck at the moment is um, HB with Fairchild and Sandberg. So, is Houdini really that much of a, a downgrade? Or, you know, I think it's quite a good stealth breaker. Um, the problem that I have with Houdini is the two for plus four strength, like the fact that anything over strength two, you have to be paying two to pump. For me, a lot of code gates that you encounter, particularly early in the game when your credits are most stretched, are going to be in that strength range of two to five. Yes, we have Fairchild now, but that's also five strength. So what strength is DNA Tracker? Six. Six. Yeah. Six. Yeah. Six. So DNA Tracker, Houdini is better at dealing with. But aside from that, all of the mid-range code gates and smaller code gates i would rather have refractor and that was to be fair to it that was more of an issue when shapers had a lot more difficulty dealing with a metagame that was dominated by ctm because every extra credit that you had to spend early was another one that you didn't have to fight those hard-hitting news traces and i just found that this card was compounding a problem that shaper already had in dealing with the speed of ctm decks it may well be that as we move to if we move to more of an ice heavy meta where there are more remotes or central servers that are stacked with more ice houdini is a better tool for dealing with that but i'm not convinced that the additional install cost but also the additional cost to pump um outweigh Sorry, are uh, outweighed by the fact that it re- retains its strength. Yeah, for me it was the fact it, w- it hit strength 6 rather than um, strength 5 um, with a stealth credit uh, that I thought might be um, kind of an important factor. Yeah. The fact that Refractor hits 8 for the same number, like if you spend 2 stealth credits, Refractor's 8, I think. Yeah, but you only, you only need 1 stealth credit for Houdini, correct? Yeah, but I think at the same time... Stealth credits have become a lot easier to access with Netmerker, etc. So I sort of found when I was, particularly when I was playing decks with Netmerker, that I had a lot of stealth credits. I just didn't have a lot of real credits. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I'm not, a, you know, I'm not much of a shaper player. Um, I haven't played a lot of stealth, so um, 
it is very likely that you're more of an expert on this than me, but kind of the logic of what kind of ice was being played um, kind of made me think that actually Houdini would be quite good. Yeah, it's very close. It's certainly not significantly worse, but I still probably would include Refractor over it. Okay. Wilfie, what was your top card? Oh, I wanted to talk about Misdirection. Oh, cool. So I think that it's very interesting to have programs that do things other than interact with ice um especially in shaper because shaper has smc and clone the smc clone chip package is has sort of defined shaper ever since creation and control but do you think cards that you can pay without paying their mana cost are overpowered or would you like to see more things like this i think every card you can play without paying (laughs) sorry go on (laughs) it's okay um i don't get it what was i talking about oh that's right um yeah, yeah, so, uh, misdirection. Yeah, so I think misdirection kind of reminds me of Parisha in the sense that it's a cheap, um, program that deals with one corpse strategy very well, which, like, not in the sense that it's just a silver bullet where they can't win if that you have misdirection, of course, but it really helps you, um, in the early, if you're able to find this card early, it really protects you against, especially hardening news, which is one of, as you said, Jesse, before, one of the main threats to Shaper is running early when your opponent might have hardening news. Uh, so I think that is a big deal for that card to be printed. Um, and I want to see more cards like it in the future, which are programs that do sort of things that we don't necessarily expect programs to be able to do at f- an efficient rate. Cool. My top... Th- oh, sorry, that. you go on, Dave. Yep. I, was, I was just going to say that I think, regardless of its power level, I quite like the fact that it's another kind of uh, part of the shape of toolbox, so which of, you know, I can just go and get what I need if I'm willing to dedicate the deck slot to it. Um, so I thought it fit very well in the faction, um, even if it doesn't see play. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, my top shaper card was, in fact, Beth. Uh, Beth Kilrain Chang has certainly proved to be a very powerful tool in the runner control style where you allow the corp to have a few turns where they're doing relatively okay economically and then you try and hit them hard with things that allow you to make runs very cheaply so that you i've spoken a lot about corps trying to set up a situation where it's more expensive for a runner to continually run their remote server than it is for the corp to set it up and continue putting threats in there but what beth does is try and turn those tables back the other way in concert with some tools like security nexus that allow you to get past ice relatively cheaply uh beth also gives you some of the resources that you might need along the way not only to set up but also to utilize the moment when you do want to strike by giving you um the extra click on that big turn when you want to make those runs so yeah i think beth is a really well costed at only two at only two credits a really well costed resource that does quite a few different things and does them all pretty well, I think. Yeah, I can I couldn't agree more. I think that was definitely my number one pick for uh, for Shaper. And do uh, you have a, a backup? <laughs> I, 
did. Um, unsurprisingly, it's uh, Netmerker, um, because it's basically Desperado. Um, the this hasn't seen as much play as I thought it would, um, so maybe it's not as good as I thought it was, but um, it, it is definitely a very strong card, and, you know, like Desperado, if you're making a run um, and you're gaining a credit for doing so, um, especially being a stealth credit, which obviously uh, fits your game plan and it can be used for anything, um, Plus, you can, um, one of the strengths of it is um, in a world where um, a lot of corp decks are playing things like closed accounts, um, being able to offshore your kind of credits is an important strategy, um, which this aids in. So all round, it's a very good card. Cool. Uh, I also wanted to very briefly mention Algo Trading alongside my... Uh, dishonorable mention for CI fund, not only for the fact that these cards suck, but also the fact that they are almost identical. <laughs> it's a hard life, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, you print a bad card not just once, but twice. The next faction is the neutral runner faction of sorts. Uh, Dave, did you have a top neutral runner card that isn't Citadel Sanctuary? <laughs> in fact citadel sanctuary is uh not on uh the top of my list though it is very good ah, my okay. my favorite card is actually one which i think is um underplayed at the moment which is uh interdiction mm -hmm. um so it kind of feels like a good rumor mill design if i'm honest but uh yeah the, the reason i like this is it is kind of universal in its um, what it does, so it affects everything. It's an e there's an easy way to play around it if you know it's coming. Um, so it you know leads to some interesting decision trees um, for both players. But some decks, you know, specifically don't want the court to be uh, resing certain cards, um, whether it be kind of siphon spam decks and they want to avoid. Caprice, Chrisium Grid, whatever it may be from being rest, mm. or diaper decks where they they can't have upgrades or Jackson Howards, whatever being um, rest on their big combo turn, or this just you know there just seems to be lots of um, different cases where um, this could be quite a powerful effect. Um, so I don't think it's going to be see lots of. Uh, really common play, but I do think it's a very well designed card. Yeah, I agree with you there. Wilfie, did you have a, a neutral card? That wasn't Citadel Sanctuary? Yeah. Um, it can be if you really want. No, it's okay. Um, hmm. I guess I'll repeat what I said in our pack review about Peace in Our Time, which is that I think it's a very interesting card, potentially very strong, um, and that I think it's a good way to design economy cards that, um, at this point in the game, which is to have them do very narrow things, but have potentially very high upside. So, you know, this card has many drawbacks, but, um, the power level is there if you can build your deck around it, I think. And I think that's a really interesting way, especially for economy cards to go, which I think haven't had that as much as other types of cards in the past. Mm. 
Cool. And my card is Baba Yaga. No, it's Citadel Sanctuary. Uh, (laughs) uh, Citadel Sanctuary has sort of defined the second half of this cycle, I think, in terms of pushing the court metagame in a similar way to the way Rumor Mill pushed the court metagame in the first half. I think Citadel Sanctuary has had a very big effect in the second half, and that is that if you are... Firstly, it has a lot of runner cards that synergize well with it. Uh, Nexus was already a very good card, but once you had this that gave you another trace to feed into your power tap if you were considering playing that power tap deck. It not only improves that, it also um, assists you with removing tags from things like John Masonori or Security Nexus if you were to fail one of those traces. Um, But the fact that it does two things, (laughs) it can prevent all meat damage and prevent you from dying, but also give you the um, ability to remove the one tag that CTM is probably going to give you every turn if you're dealing with their board makes this a really, really powerful card in the metagame as it was. And as it still is, like it, it makes incidental tags from data Raven controlling the message or anything else a lot less damaging. And when you have power tap rabbit hole and the other uh, tools that the Nexus decks often use, the tag actually becomes a benefit for the runner. And at that point, considering how expensive it is in terms of opportunity cost, but also actual cost for the corp to include those cards and use them on the runner, uh, this and the amount by which it turns those from being an advantage to the corp to either being neutralized or an advantage for the runner makes it an extraordinarily powerful card. So this is, yeah, I think certainly one that, makes a lot of people when they're building corp decks really think twice about whether their strategy is going to be resilient to it or not. Um, any final thoughts on, I think we'll, uh, we'll leave the mini factions for another time, uh, perhaps until we have some <laughs> more cards to go along with those. We might do like a, a five cycle retrospective and consider the five cards from each mini faction. Um, but yeah, any other final thoughts on the uh, flashpoint cycle as a whole, Wilfie? Um, I think most things have been fairly well touched upon, but yeah, I think as th- this was Damon's first cycle, right? Or not just first cycle, but first Netrunner product design. Mm-hmm. As far um, as I know. In ter- yeah, in terms of that, I think there are some issues with, I think, you know, of course, there are going to be some issues, and I wish some cards were lower power level, some cards were other power, were higher power level. But I think that, in general, most factions got some cards which were strong, some cards which were not as strong, and lo- uh, cards which explored design space in different ways. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, Dave. Yeah, I, I think I agree with uh, Wolfie. I think the thing for me about this cycle was that while assets are still a big part of it, um, which is something that kind of came about um, throughout um, the previous cycle, um, they haven't. This cycle hasn't felt quite uh, as almost like oppressive. So, like kind of. The fact that the prison decks have mostly gone away, and um, there there have been quite interesting kind of matchups. There's definitely been imbalance. You know, we can see that from um, worlds and things like that um, throughout the cycle. 
but they've been interesting. Even if your choices have been quite limited, the matchups have been interesting. Um, um, it's it's generally been a fairly fun cycle to play in. Um, yes, there's room for improvement, uh, etc. But uh, it still makes me interested to see what's coming and to try out new cards. So generally, I think it's been quite positive. Yeah, what I quite liked about it is that the two most powerful cards from my perspective in the cycle are Temujin Contract and Hard Hitting News, mixed with Controlling the Message, and they interact really well with each other in terms of they're both very powerful, they both threaten each other, um, because to make your Temujin Contract successful, you have to be making runs, and that turns on Hard Hitting News, but also in order to win your Hard Hitting News trace, you have to have more money than your opponent, which Temujin Contract threatens. So you already had that inherent tension set up from the first two packs, and I think a lot of the powerful strategies that have come after that have also had that complementary strategy on the other side that's dealt with it reasonably effectively. Yes, those cards haven't always come out in time, and because we had this arbitrary cutoff at Worlds, a lot of the runner factions didn't have the Citadel Sanctuary, the misdirection, the answers to the, to the tag metagame that were coming later in the cycle. But those And Aaron Moran. But those cards do exist. They're out now. And things like Cypher, which is undoubtedly very powerful and which we didn't talk about today, um, is countered to some degree by things like Friends in High Places. So I like that aspect of the design. Like you said, Wilfie, there are elements of each faction's design space and card pool gaps which haven't really been addressed Wayland still needs more ice, it still needs better agendas, it still needs some premium economy operations, but at least we've got a decent piece of ice in Morseless. I think, yeah, Wayland is probably the biggest glaring deficiency so far in the game's design, and that probably continues in this cycle to some degree. But outside of that, I think each of the runner factions is playable now, and each of the other three court factions has a lot of interesting strategies that you can try. Any other closing words from anyone? Not from me. Wilfie, cool. Not from me. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in to our Flashpoint Cycle Retrospective. I've been Jesse Marshall with Dave Hoyland and Wilfie Horrig for The Winning Agenda. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can send us a... You can check us out on Facebook at The Winning Agenda. You can send us a tweet at Winning Agenda. Or you can check us out on Patreon and throw a few dollars or pounds or whatever your currency of choice may be, our way. And that is at www.patreon.com slash the winning agenda. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. We will. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. All right. Thank you very much. Bye.